Previously on the Nature of My Game podcast. The detective told me there are as many floors as we both, as we all thought, three. No four, no five, no six. So I have no idea where we're going. You all see through the door, not a roof, but a large inviting area that resembles like a turn of the century, turn of the 20th century men's club. So Mark Rourke is alone in in this Overlook Hotel situation. How do you get to the sixth floor? How did you get to this floor? You go out this door, walk up the stairs, take the elevator if you really want to. It's only two floors, though. Is there an elevator in this building? Are there windows in this room? There are no windows in this room. There was no elevator on the first or the second or the third floor. You guys, we are in a ghost room. Why is no one else more comfortable? Like... (laughs) It's Hotel California. Never leave. Well, all right then. Like now it's kind of, oh boy, here we go. It's still the green time. Meanwhile, Dahlia and Veronica, you walk out of the smoking lounge and look down the hallway and you don't see Chip. You find yourself on a balcony and the first thing that you see, it seems like there are people dancing, but you look a little bit more closely and they're not people. They're all marionettes. Cohasset, Massachusetts, June 29th, 1893. The sun had long set by the time Donald Braith returned to his family's estate. He had spent a long day in Boston and wanted nothing more than to collapse into his bed and fall asleep. It was amazing how much energy standing out in the sun could drain from you. But he figured that he might as well let his parents know that he had returned. They had a tendency to worry. Donald walked into the house to drop off the bag he had taken with him and waved hello to the brace butler, Luther, and Donald's sister, Cecilia. Cecilia was sitting in the study, reading, and Luther had just brought her a pot of tea. Cecilia barely looked up, but waved all the same, and Luther asked if Donald needed anything. Donald asked him to bring the brandy decanter up to his room, and Luther agreed. A nightcap usually helped Donald sleep. Donald had been looking around for his parents for a few minutes when he heard music coming from the guest house in the back of the property. He thought that was strange, but his parents occasionally hosted visitors out there when they thought their company might stay late, so it wasn't out of the question. Debating for just a moment if it was worth going out there, Donald decided to be the dutiful son for once, and started out the back door to the guest house. As Donald walked across the lawn, he listened closely to the music for the first time. There was something strange about it, but Donald couldn't place what it was. Francis or Monty would know. Donald wasn't much for sentimentality, but this wasn't the first time today he'd wished his friends were here with him. As Donald approached the guest house, he saw candlelight flickering through the windows. That too was strange. If his parents were hosting visitors, surely they'd at least be using the gas lamps and not just a few candles. Donald's mind was elsewhere though, and he didn't think much of it as he walked through the door. At this point, Donald was sure that his parents were having a party of some sort. Odd that they hadn't mentioned it to him. Donald followed the sound of the music down the hallway and turned into the guest house's main dining room. At that moment, Donald's breath caught at the sight before him. A dozen or so people, paired into couples, were dancing in slow circles around the room, lit only by flickering candlelight. They swayed softly to the melody of the music, which was too clear to be coming from the phonograph, though Donald didn't see any instruments being played. Most unsettling of all, though, was that each and every person in the room was wearing a plain, white mask over their face like some bastardization of a masquerade ball. Donald instinctually moved into the room, trying to figure out what could possibly be going on, and now more determined than ever to find his parents. Very quickly, he found the couple he was sure was his parents. 
They too were swaying lazily in a circle to the rhythm of the music. Mom, Donald said sharply and loud enough that it would carry over the sound of the music. Neither of his parents turned to look at him, but just continued to dance. Mom, Dad, he shouted more loudly this time, but neither reacted at all. Donald moved forward and reached out to touch his mother, but when his hand made contact with her shoulder, Donald immediately knew something was wrong. As his mother's body floated away from him, he realized that it wasn't his mother at all. It was a life-sized marionette that hung from the ceiling by a string. So I've definitely asked this question in all of the seasons so far, but I think it's an important one to to, to ask the group at, at a midway-ish point in in the season. What inspirations uh, did you pull on when you uh, when you when you built your character, came up with the idea for your character? Where, where where did you get the inspiration for Dahlia and Veronica and Chip? I mean, I, I know pretty much offhand uh, the majority of it. I mean, down to the name, a lot of it is is clearly just crib from Twin Peaks. <laughs> a little bit of a combination yeah. of uh, of Dale Cooper and Gordon Cole. Gordon Cole's my favorite TV character, I think, ever. So I, I'm not yelling. I'm not deaf, but I, <laughs> I uh, it's so it's clearly a lot of that. And also because I did think that, like, I mean, listen, if if there was a director who was going to direct the Delta Green movie, you'd, you'd, and you'd want it to be David Lynch. So you know that kind of uh, uh, not not stupidity, but that kind of just like. I'm honor bound and duty bound in the face of all this silliness is like pretty much cribbed from that because it was a vibe I thought would fit pretty well into the Delta Green thing. And he's a government guy, so pretty much not one to one, but that's where a lot of it came from. I think the description of Chip Lynch on your character sheet in the in the description box where you're supposed to write like what they look like. It mm-hmm. just says Agent Dale Cooper. I Agent think. Dale Cooper. <laughs> yeah. And if you want to know, <laughs> he looks folks, exactly like him. Here you go. The the description behind the name Lynch. You can figure that's David Lynch. Chip. Why would I name him Chip? Uh, Dale Cooper. Chip and Dale. That's where you get Chip. <laughs> it's all coming together. <laughs> okay. And that's how the masters do it. <laughs> I think um, for my character, like. The first role-playing game I ever played was Pathfinder, and being able to, like, actually use magic for fighting was... Not, like, that came more naturally to me than being, like, a, a physically strong character, so I was excited to bring that sort of element in. And then also, I think just with Dahlia being, like, this fancy art world, moving in powerful circles in New York is just a fun alter ego New York life. Like, that's not my New York life at all, and it sounded really fun to test it out yeah we get it we got a little a little hint there of something that hasn't come up in in play yet for dahlia but um she uh she's pretty deep into the occult she's got a she's got some secrets back there i was that, gonna uh, say have some... i missed something has she been casting some spells perhaps? She's got she, some, maybe some she has skills. maybe she's ready too but when she was like oh i'm more of a performance artist it's like i 
I work at the dark arts. <laughs> yeah. And then when the thing that when she was like, I'm going to get all the stuff I need to go to the apartment. And then some incense and crystals and, and yeah, yeah, a yeah, large yeah. book of tomes, leather bound. Keep myself mm-hmm. protected. With a fabric bookmark on the top of it. She didn't mm-hmm. say grimoire, but we know what she was talking yeah, about. We yeah, know. Yeah. I have to get my magic hat, my wand, my gloves, the rabbit. She was so unfazed when she met a man from like the 1920s. She was like, yeah. well, you know, hey. when has this not happened to me? I'd be into it if, it if it was like traditional, like up close, like card magic. And like, that's what you were deep into. Like rabbit out of the hat stuff. Yeah. On her oh description. It's like, what are, What does she look like? It's like, she has small hands that look like they would be good at magic tricks. Like, <laughs> yeah, it does say that. It really does say that. You know? <laughs> Great minds think alike. You know who is probably really good at traditional magic is uh, Mark Rourke. He's probably a, he probably oh, loves yeah. a card trick. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Because <laughs> he's so distractingly hideous. Yeah, this the endless scarf, like the flowers out of the wand. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah I he squirts this flower. Oh god. <laughs> <laughs> Lindsay, what about you? What about Veronica? Um, I think Veronica is this like amalgam of like every like single female lawyer in the city from TV. And okay. <laughs> um I also feel I, I when I was like kind of crafting her, I was trying to figure out what direction I wanted to go in and like the main person who came up was like uh, sort of a little bit of a tribute to like Roz from Seinfeld if anybody's watched Frazier. that. Or, or yes, Frasier. Um, and uh, I just, I always loved her. She was, uh, she's such like a, a strong, like independent woman, but like also kind of a mess. And I just felt like that was a good look for Veronica. Like she's great at her job. She knows she's pretty focused and brave, but she's also a little bit all over the place. She's a fun character. And then I decided to come up with whatever accent this is that she has and just commit it's great. to it. I love it. I love everybody. <laughs> no, yeah, it's about I know. <laughs> Thank you. It could be Midwestern. It could be Boston. I don't know. It's just kind of whatever ends up coming out of my mouth. So, <laughs> yeah, it's been fun. Yeah. It's, uh, I know you've got some listeners, regular listeners to this podcast who are big Frasier fans, Eric. Who, uh, some former cast members who are big Frasier fans, who I'm sure would be very that. happy to hear. Yeah, right? As you think... Well, think of a guy that likes Frasier. Tommy Witty is the guy that yeah, like there's immediately. No doubt that Tommy Witty is that guy. You yeah. draw. It's like who is the guy that likes Frasier? And you, oh, that man, <laughs> he likes Frasier. Who likes yeah. Frasier and his favorite bands? They might be Giants. Bango, yeah. bango. There he is. <laughs> I got to. I got to be honest. The mental image. I got to be honest with you and and all of our loyal listeners and Tommy Witty himself, who I know is will listen to this at some point. I've never seen a single episode of Frasier. Oh. That you're missing out. It really? <laughs> oh, it my really goodness. Is you're missing some hybrids. And what a big one. What a big one. You guys have been missing all the Frasier Easter eggs I've been yeah. throwing in. There's a, like a physical break in the group right now. Like there is like a fissure that yeah, is just yeah. there's a, there's the Frasier come up. Yeah, it's a, I have to say, yeah. I, I only I only watched it in the last two years, so I'm really new to a very old show, but I thought it was hilarious. It really held up for me. I mean, there was episodes where I was like tears in my eyes. I was laughing so hard, so. And it's very funny. It really is. It's the one of those sitcoms from that era. Like, I really love Seinfeld, and I, I find Seinfeld still makes me laugh out loud. But like, the second one that I still really, Frasier has not lost any of its 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 fastball like it's still really funny when it's funny so i would definitely say watch it if you haven't 
All right, I'll I'll have to I'll have to check out Fraser. I was gonna say that that Lindsay gave me the perfect segue back in because you said that the the group has been physically separated just like <laughs> our three characters. Oh, <laughs> oh. <laughs> we have also been separated. Just a little softball right up there. Yeah. <laughs> Nothing's worse in the podcast game than when you have a segue, you get it loaded in the chamber, and uh-huh. you have a guest, and they take it oh. from you. And oh, they, yeah. they move the conversation <laughs> elsewhere. Uh, it's like, oh, uh, no, I had it. it was pretty, I'm sorry, Eric. <laughs> no, it's perfect. That's that the 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 kind of obvious. Let me let me name that I'm doing a segue as I do the segue is the best kind of segue. So exactly. Uh, yeah. Let's let's kick things back off. Our characters are up above the third floor, and they are <laughs> they are in whatever weird stuff is happening in this building. They they spent some time in the smoking lounge talking with. Some this guy named Mark Rourke, <laughs> Mark who Rourke. seems to spend a lot of time in the smoking lounge. Chip decided to kind of explore the surroundings and started moving down the hallway. Saw a man who looked very nervous and sweaty far down the hallway trying to get into a room and started moving toward him. And as he did so, Veronica and Dahlia paused just a few moments to try to convince Thomas Manuel to come with them. They ended up not being able to convince him. He went back downstairs, and as Dahlia and Veronica moved into the hallway, Chip Lynch was nowhere to be found. And so we're going to pick things back up. Chip has just opened up a, a door that leads onto a balcony where he was overlooking a ballroom where he first thought that people were dancing, but in fact it was human-sized marionettes. But we're going to let... Chip, and in fact, we're gonna let Mikey stew on that image for a li- for a few more minutes. Thanks, man. <laughs> While we go to Dahlia and Veronica, who I believe are just about to knock on the door of the night manager, um, who seems to have an office or an apartment on the same floor as the smoking lounge. So uh, I believe that we I believe that you said that Dahlia was gonna be leading the talking. So Dahlia, are you gonna go knock on the door? I am. So the door opens and you see an incredibly old man. He has white, unkempt hair. He looks a bit like a shorter, ailing Albert Einstein. So so the old man opens the door and says, Yes, can, can I help you with something? Hi, sir. Yes, my name is Dahlia, and I'm actually here to inquire about a friend of mine. I believe she lives in the building. I just haven't been able to get in touch with her in a while, and I was hoping that you could help me. Are you open to talking for a few minutes? Yes, no problem. Would you like to come in? Yes, if that's all right. I have a, a friend a friend here with me. Can, may she come in as well? Absolutely. And he opens up the door into his apartment, which is it's it's pretty kind of it's a it's kind of sprawling and it's it's both sprawling and cramped because it it's it's decently sized. It seems like there's kind of an office along with a living space. But all of the walls are covered with black and white photographs, and the floors are stacked wall to wall with old yellowed newspapers and magazines. Mm. While we walk in, can I try and catch a look at like the dates and stuff on the, ma- on the newspapers <laughs> and magazines? Absolutely, you can. Absolutely, you can. Um, you see a number of dates. None of the most recent one you see is 1940. Everything other, everything besides that is older than that. Okay. Mm, and in fact, because of the volume of these, along with kind of the age of all of these newspapers and magazines, I need you to roll me a sanity check, please. Already. Thirty-three under forty-four. 
Nice. All right. So you don't lose any sanity. And he ushers you over to a desk. There are a couple of chairs that are sitting on the opposite side of the desk. And he, he uh, says, feel, feel free to take a seat. And he walks around to the other side and sits down in what is clearly his chair at his desk. So who is it that I that you are looking for that I, I can help you with and help you in finding? Thank you so much. Um, my friend Abigail, we're artists and we were hoping to work together on a project, but I've just not heard from her in a while and that led me here. Oh yes, Abigail, she lives with the encyclopedia salesman on the sixth floor, I believe. How long has she been living there? When I knew her, she lived on the first floor. Uh, n- not not too long, I don't believe. I believe she moved in relatively recently. At least moved moved up here relatively recently. Hmm. Do you know, did anything dramatic happen? I know that her family, for instance, they, they're, they're estranged now, I guess I could say. There's a, there's a number of people worried about her. I'll be honest, I don't know a lot about the tenants I... Don't make it my business to learn much about their personal lives. I, I just know that Abigail and the the encyclopedia salesman they, they don't make much of a fuss and they always pay their rent on time. Okay, I understand. As this conversation is happening, Veronica, are you? What are you doing? Um, I think I'm like peering around, trying to get a sense of my bearings and like what's in the room, but like you know, in a discreet way if possible. Sure. So. You kind of start by looking at the photographs on the walls. They're all black and white photographs, but they seem to be almost exclusively of like bomb destroyed cities, like cities that have been bombed and, you know, there's rubble all over the place. And they have kind of strange inscriptions underneath them, things like downtown tulips and sovereign carriage. There are other photos that show battle scenes with groups of people, maybe refugees. Like, it looks like people that have been affected by some sort of large-scale war. You also, as you're looking around at some of the nearby newspapers and magazines, a particular headline stands out to you. It's from a newspaper called the New York Tribune, and it's from July 1st, 1923. And the headline reads, Russo-Germanic Pact Crumbles, Vienna Liberated. Um, What's your history score? My history score is 10. 10. Okay. You're not sure, you know, you're not a you're not a historian by any means, but this doesn't seem like something that you are aware of having happened in 1923 or any time for that mm-hmm. matter. Okay. Um I would like you to roll a sanity check for me as well, please. <laughs> All right. Let's see. Out of 100. Oh, okay. I got 91 over 70. Mm. All right, so you take one point of sanity damage. Okay. Yeah, this seems very strange to you, right? These, it seems like it seems like there's all th- this this apartment is this collection of old history, but it seems to be at least it un- like your impression is that it something about the history seems off. It seems slightly wrong. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um. So I think you know if there's a pause in conversation, Veronica will pop in and say, um, uh, Mister Castain, uh. How long have you been the night manager? Oh, I've been here many, many years. I, I've worked for the superintendent for quite a while. Uh, it's hard for me to keep track, honestly. Uh, I was told that you are the person to talk to if you're trying to move to the upstairs apartments. Is, is that true? Yes, I'm the best person to talk to for things like that. 
Are there any current openings in the building? No, we're rather selective with who is invited to live upstairs. As you can see, it's quite a well-appointed building, and the requirements for living here are reasonably strict. Are you interested? I, I've just heard wonderful rumors. As an artist myself, or an aspiring artist, you know, this is one of the top places to be. I, I, I suppose, yes, I am. Well, yes, the, the artists who live here do say they find great inspiration from our building. Any famous artists you've had from here? Such a tacky question, but I have to ask. Oh, well, yes, there there have a been there have been a few. Many of them are late 18th century French artists or I should say based out of France. Many of them actually were Americans. Uh, I don't know whether you would have heard any of them. Uh, some yes, I, I don't know. It's an assortment of people. Hmm. Delightful. New York, you know. Yes, it's really a it's really a melting pot, isn't it? <laughs> sure is. What what brought you to the building? <laughs> I just like want to keep this man talking. Yeah. I feel like he has secrets to share. Um, what brought you to the building? How did you become the the night manager? Yes, well, the superintendent asked me to help him out with a new venture that he was working on, and I was I was glad to glad to agree to do it. Uh, when you say new venture, you're talking about. Just managing this building? Yes. I think there Veronica kind of nods, but she's still sort of looking around the apartment, and she gestures to the pictures on the wall and says, uh, looks like you're a bit of an odd collector yourself. Um, interesting decorating choice. I prefer to consider myself a historian rather than an art collector, but yes, I suppose you could say either is true. I, I take a, a, a keen interest in world events. Like, I should have a follow-up question for this, and I cannot I know, I am like... Anything. <laughs> Do we... We don't know who the superintendent is, right? We don't no. know who the superintendent is? No, no. I mean, I guess we could ask that. I feels nosy to ask. He just told me I can't get on the waiting list. Yeah. <laughs> I know. I feel like there's, like, so many... I just, like, I'm not even sure what else to ask this man in his, like, death relic uh, apartment. <laughs> you know? <laughs> Like, yeah, you seem to be living in a slightly different timeline than me. Um, what's that like? Uh... <laughs> <laughs> tell me more about yeah, that, please. Tell me how you got here. Do you ever leave? <laughs> do you ever leave this building? <laughs> yeah. Right. When you do, do you, where do, do you, you ask go? Him that? <laughs> um. I will say, as as you as you talk with him a little bit, Dahlia, I think you specifically, because uh, because you are from Eastern Europe. Yeah. I think you... Get triggered by these images. Well, certainly that. And also, I think you you detect a very faint, possibly Eastern European or Russian accent from Mr. Castain. Okay. What is the vibe that he's giving off? Like, is he annoyed that we are here talking to him? Or is he like, whatever? Or is he interested in talking to us? What kind of vibes is he giving? Yeah, he seems not at all annoyed. Very content okay. to be having this conversation with you. He seems kind. Yeah, he's he's courteous. He seems pretty kind. But I think for you, someone who has a, a human score as high as yours, his answers seem somehow manufactured or rote a little bit. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He's also you would notice that he's wearing. I mean, his clothing, much like most of the built of this this upstairs portion of the building that you've seen, seems old. Like seems of an old style. Hmm. I don't know what to do. 
I almost want to just like get up out of my seat and look at a photo and be like, I'm sorry, we have to go see our friend. I don't have very long, but like, do you have any photos of Bulgaria? Just wondering. <laughs> just sort of crazy and see how he reacts. I don't know. Do you have any other like better question ideas? No, I mean, <laughs> I think I'm, yeah, I feel like he would be like interesting information, but I like just keeping you gotta it. Get upstairs. So you to, yeah, just keeping in mind, like it feels like the only thing they know about this guy that um, she was with is he's an encyclopedia salesman, which is like, what even is that? So we should probably just see if we can get upstairs, which I guess we could try. Yeah. And we could ask we could him maybe to come take, back. Here. Yeah, we could ask him to take us upstairs. Let's do that. That's a good idea. Yeah. Let's do that. Okay. Would you be so kind? Yeah. You you want to ask him, Dahlia? <laughs> Sure. So, Mr. Kassin, thank you so much for talking with us. Um, again, you said it's quite selective, but please don't forget my name. It's Dahlia. In case I ever apply. Um, would you be so kind as to bring us up to the sixth floor? You know, there's a, a lot of units in this building, and um, you certainly n- seem to know the building better than anyone. He, as you ask him that, he kind of shakes his head and says, My dear, I, if you would be so kind as to allow me to refuse, I, I have a bit of a a limp, you see, and I prefer to not travel up and down the floors. If I if I can avoid it, I, you know, I certainly have to do my work as the night manager. But I, if you wouldn't mind, I my my leg is quite sore and it could use could use a bit of a rest. You should be able to make your way up there just fine, though. Feel free to either take the elevator or the stairs to the sixth floor. I I certainly understand. Thank you again for your your time. Do you happen to know what number their apartment is on the sixth floor? We wouldn't want to be knocking on several different doors, disrupting your tenants. Of course. I'm not positive. I think that if you, if you're, if you're up there and you're looking for it, you'll be able to find it just fine. And he kind of like swivels his chair around and like kind of looks in the other direction. Like he's kind of leafing through some papers, like he's done with the conversation. If you're looking for it, you'll be able to find it. Interesting. It's got a hundred encyclopedias outside. Oh, that must be the one. It's just like every super I've ever had in New York. You know what I mean? It's just a vague, cryptic. I'm not helping. If you're looking for it, it will find it. I look like I shouldn't be alive, and I'm not going to help. I'm very fragile. Uh, So we're going to switch back over to Chip. So Chip, you you had a near death experience. You almost fell down an empty elevator shaft, mm-hmm. and in a in a fit of frustration, started opening doors at random. And one of them you came upon led you out onto a balcony where you find an entire ballroom full of human sized marionettes. Oh God, sure, sure. And so you see there are marionette couples that are swaying and dancing, and you notice as you start to look that there are strings lead up into darkness, up high in in the ceiling, higher than you can see. There are also marionette waiters bringing empty glasses to tables of revelers. And there's a marionette band that seems to be playing a soothing melody. Please roll me a sanity check. (laughs) Sure. (laughs) Look at that. Uh, Here we go. Sanity check. 18 under a a 39 or 47. So, okay. Yes, yeah, so you take no sanity damage. Uh, you've seen some weird stuff in your day. This, I think, just goes on goes on the list. It gets added to the bottom of the list. Mm-hmm. Um, how far up am I? You are probably twenty feet up or so. 
Okay, is there any way to kind of, is there any climb down ability? Because I have found, it seems like when you exit a door, you're not always sure you're going back into the same spot. <laughs> does so seem does that way, be, yes. Does it seem, is there a way to be double safe and get from balcony to marionettes, or do I have to go out? There are, there are some like hangings and things along the wall. It would be a dangerous kind of leap from the balcony to grab onto something, but you could try. Don't do it. I mean, I feel like Jim, <laughs> Jim Blitz is a brave man. He's a man who, well, I think the first thing you do is is kind of keep himself half in uh, the the room, like in the balcony room, and open the door to kind of like gauge, like, all right, is this all? Are we all still the same here? Like, I'm gonna I'm opening this door, but I'm leaving it open. So mm. the balcony's still here. What what does it look like when I open the door? Uh, it looks like the hallway. It seems to lead back out in the hallway. So if you just keep the door open, you can see both the ballroom and the hallway. Okay. Hmm. Yeah, you know what? He's a, he's an adventurer at heart. Let's let's do this. Let's try to get down there. Let's not. I'm gonna solve this case. <laughs> All right. So why don't you give me an athletics check? Athletics. Oh no. Oh no. That's up at thirty. Is is like like what you have to have almost. Kind of regret that I should have looked at the athletic score before I committed, but you know what? Here we are. Fifty-nine. <laughs> All right. <laughs> you can take out some of those marionettes with you. Fifty-nine. So yeah, so Chip, you you jump out. You like you like cr- climb up onto the balcony and you try to jump your way out onto like a like a like a hanging that's decorating the wall mm-hmm. and you reach it and you grab it but your fingers slip and it it comes down off how it's hanging and you plummet to the ground and oh boy how do I want to do this I'm not it can't can't feel great no it does not feel great and so you take six points of hit point damage mm, okay uh, how many hit points did you did do you have total total? 14. All right. So, okay. So you're, you're, so you could be worse. You could be worse. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Uh, well and make me a, make me, make me a con times five roll. Con times five. Ah, oh, fuck. 60. What's six and a, 60 and a zero over 50. Yeah. So that's a 60 over 50. Um, and so yeah. you land on the flat of your back and mm. the wind is knocked out of you and oh. you black out for a minute. Okay. And so we'll come back to you in a second. Right. <laughs> Blacked out in the marionette room. In the marionette, in the puppet room. Because I didn't no. want to go out the door. Yeah. <laughs> and it's a marionette ball, so gauche to pass out. There was no way I was going to get down a flight of stairs and be like, marionette balls. This yeah. Like, that just what wasn't going to. step on you? I had to do it. Oh, no. I didn't think of that. Um, so back to Dahlia and Veronica. So do you, do you leave the, do you leave Mr. Castain's office? Guess we have to, right? He kind of. Yeah, us. I think he. He could've. does seem like he dismissed you a <laughs> yeah, bit. Yes. Kicked yeah. Kicked As we're walking out, though, can I like do an occult check, like a history check, all the things? I don't know. Yeah. What's your What's your history score? Forty. An occult is um, is eighty. Yeah. There. I mean, you don't. Yeah. There. Nothing seems occult to you, and you. You know. You. You have some. You have some. You have better historical knowledge than Veronica. Something definitely seems off about these photos and these newspaper articles. Like something, but that's it. It's Just, like vaguely, okay. like it, it. It certainly seems like it's taking place in our world, but like in a history that is not the one that you know. Okay. I think we just have to take our leave then. 
and yeah. maybe see if we can make our way back to the stairs. I don't want to take the elevator. You want to take the elevator? No, no, I don't want to. Oh, okay. I, would, I, would I was like, much uh, I feel like we're plumbing to, to our deck if we do that. Yeah. No, no, okay. no, no, no. Yeah, that's one of the that's safest bet in the game right now. You do not take the elevator. No <laughs> yeah. way. Because I also just had an idea. Yeah. I feel like he's the night manager and things seemed normal. Maybe the police talked to uh, Thomas during daytime, but then once it turns nighttime, everything is weird. Mm. It's just Sarah thinking that's not Dahlia. Yeah. You mean like, it's almost like the... the like the night circus. I don't yeah. know, but it's... Okay. The night hotel. I don't know. <laughs> Could see that. That doesn't seem like it. That does. That doesn't seem like a jump for Dahlia, though, either. Like that's not based sure. on any information Dahlia doesn't know. Mm-hmm. That's true. Yeah. That's true. It's the night gallery. I like it. Like where this is going. Well, no, I actually I'm blacked out. In the you don't. Like it. it's, going <laughs> night. it's going very badly. Good night. Yeah, it's going real. It's going real bad for old Chip, but for yeah. everybody else, yeah. things are looking up. All right, girls, should we go upstairs? Yeah, yeah, let's do that. Let's go back into the hallway. Keep your wits about you. That was me trying to do your accent. <laughs> yeah. All right, who's uh, which, which of you? Which of you is leading the way to the stairs? Uh, I think Veronica will. Great. All right, Veronica, make me a sanity check, please. God. Okay. Um. So. Good call to lead. Wow, that would have been bad if it was the other way. <laughs> I know. I'm really glad I didn't. So I have a 69 sanity right now, and then right, and then I do the dice. Um. Ooh, 28 under 69. Yes, Ooh. Veronica. Okay. Calm, cool, collected. <laughs> it, was only the, it was only the newspapers that threw her because she was like, I don't know enough about history to know if this is true or not. <laughs> so bad. Like, yeah, that's what it was. <laughs> I'm horrified. Ask, what if they bring it up? <laughs> Dahlia's from one of those countries. Like, I, yeah. Know. Yeah. I don't know anything about countries. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So you you walk out of the night manager's door and you close it behind you and Veronica starts walking down the hall back to where you saw the stairs before. And you walk and you walk a little further and you walk a little further and you're just not seeing stairs anywhere. You're sure that they were just up ahead here and you walk a little further and you're, oh, they'll, they'll just be right here. And they're not there. And you look around, and the the decoration in the hallway seems like it has shifted just slightly. It's it's just a little bit older, as if it was more like from the late 1800s versus the early 1900s. It's a subtle shift, but it's it seems slightly different. And as you're walking, you're like looking, you're kind of turning your head to either side to see if you can find the opening where the stairwell was before, and you start to notice that there are framed black and white photographs on the walls out here in the hallway as well but rather than rather than being scenes from bombed out cities or you know war zones or battlegrounds or anything like that they are they seem to be photographs like portrait photographs and each one is just a single person staring directly at the camera no Are they all different people, or is it the same person? Yeah, so as you look a little bit closer, they're they're different people. They're dressed in, again, what you would say is old-timey garb, similar to what Mr. Castain was wearing. And on the kind of the bottom edge of each of the photographs, there's a name, but it looks like it's written in ink, as if someone, like, signed the photo- uh, each photograph. Okay. Mm-mm. Can I read the name? Uh, yes, you start reading the names and you see 
one that says A. Darabandi, one that says E. Lazette, one that says M. Hogg, one that says E. Mosby, one that says D. Carver, and one that says A. Marks. <gasps> we know a bunch right. of those people. Did I hear an M hog in there? Oh my god. You did hear an M hog in there. <laughs> Sorry, it only marks. hit once it hit A marks. I was like, wait a second. <laughs> oh god. <laughs> okay. And so we're going to pause you there and we're going to switch back over to the unconscious Chip Lynch. Uh, so Chip, um, you're not sure how long you were out, but you you start to come to flat on your back in this room. Music's still playing. Marionette's still here. Yeah, you look around, they're still dancing away. Okay, so I think I first kind of make sure I can move all of my limbs, <laughs> and then uh, kind of slowly, groggily get up as best I can. Yeah, I mean, you're very you're very sore. I mean, you feel like you yeah. fell from a pretty far distance, but yeah. you're you're okay. You don't. It doesn't seem like any. You don't have any broken bones or anything like that. Mm-hmm, yeah, and I, I I look around, and again, uh, I just you know, give it one solid just fuck. And now I uh, kind of keep looking, kind of closer at these these marionettes. And I'm like, I have my gun. I, t- I have it. So I, I kind of poking the puppets with it. It's kind of like seeing like what's what's happening here. Are they gonna are they just gonna swing like little marionettes, or is like something weird gonna go down? So I'm not trying to hurt anybody. I'm just kind of seeing what's. And I don't want to touch them with my hand. Sorry. Yeah, you you poke one of the marionettes, and it it does kind of swing a little bit. Um, otherwise, seems like it continues moving in the way that it was moving before. So, if, you know, if it was someone who was dancing, they swing a little bit, but they continue in the dancing motion that they were in. I'm going to look around the room for a sign of anybody or anything that's not attached to strings in the darkness. You do not see anybody or anything that is not attached to strings in the darkness. Do I see uh, uh, doors into other rooms? You do. It seems like there are doors that would lead away from where you came from and some doors that would lead back to in the direction that you came from. Okay. So I think, I mean, I really want to, let me see if I have any of my, do I have a puppetry? I don't think so. <laughs> Craft marionette? Yeah, really. No, I really don't have anything. I don't even have like, because now it's starting to sound all like the haunted mansion. But I have 70 search. I mean, can I kind of, can I eye the place over or... Is there just nothing to see besides puppets dancing? Which is a lot to see. Don't get me wrong. I'm not. <laughs> yeah, you can you can do you can do kind of a full inspection, and I think probably the most unsettling thing of this whole thing is you're moving around like looking for things, and you know you know that they're marionettes, but they're very lifelike, and they don't react to you at all, right? Of course they don't, mm-hmm. right? They're marionettes. Yeah. But they seem to be fully you know, like pre-programmed to move exactly in the way that they're moving and your presence there doesn't change that at all, which is unsettling because they look so lifelike. But you do a full kind of deep search of this place and don't really find anything other than other than that. So I think I give a nod and then just like, well, carry on then, folks. I don't want to break up the party. Uh, and I just <laughs> go and now I'm like, no, I'm not, I'm, I'm, I'm being... Half frustrated when I start yelling out now. I'm getting mad. So I go to the um, the door that leads away from where I don't want to go back. I want to go away. I'm now I'm going deeper. So I kick that wow. door open to kind of see what the next hallway looks like. Okay, go ahead and roll me um, roll me a sanity check, please. Oh God, come on. 
Cut the guy a break. <laughs> you chose to go deeper into the hotel. <laughs> He's just doing his duty as an American civil servant. True. God bless him. <laughs> 27 under. I, that might not be under anything. Um, no, I think it is. Mm, yes, no, it is. Okay. Whew, 27 under 47. So you open the door and you come into, it seems like another one of those very like thoroughly destroyed apartment rooms. The walls are, are waterlogged and soaked, but there's no trash on the ground in this one other than what looks like a small like like snippet from a newspaper. I'm going to look at that. So you you look at it, you pick it up, you look at it. On one side, there's an article entitled Architectural Picasso, a Chicago Native. And you read it over a little bit, and it seems to be a profile of a young architect named Asa Darabandi. But when you flip it over, there is another article that's called Roosevelt Wins as a Peacemaker. But over the article, there is a strange geometric snake-like shape drawn in pen. And as you look at it, for a minute it looks like some sort of sigil, then maybe an eye or a branch or even a dragon, and you feel this overwhelming sense of fear as you see this symbol. Please roll me a sanity check. <sighs> 19. 19 under. 47, yeah, 19 under 47. As soon as the fear comes, it passes, and you almost instinctively drop the newspaper from your hand, and it flutters down and lands so that this, that sign is turned over. So you can't okay. see it anymore. And even even like moments after you've seen it, you've almost forgotten that it was even there. It was you just it was this just this piece of newspaper. And your focus comes back to this guy, Asa Darabandi, who's this architect that's profiled. Now would I would I take it with me? Would I put it in my pocket as a piece of evidence or would I leave it? Uh you tell me. I feel like he'd take it. I feel like he's picking things up when he finds them. I mean he it's ultimately an investigation. So I feel like he'd tuck it into his pocket. Yeah, so you reach back down and pick it up and put it back in your pocket. Because it is stand I mean it is you said it's the only thing in that room, right? Yeah. Okay. So and oh I just realized what something I wanted to do. Check he checks his uh, shirt pocket. Does he still have the cigar that he bought? Is that still with him? He does still have the cigar, yes. Okay. Yeah, because that's now that is a thing that happened in one place that I know happened. So I think you, you gotta walk back into the ballroom. Uh roll me a sanity check, please. Fucking hey. <laughs> 37. Can't break Chip Lynch. <laughs> you, um, you walk out of the door, but instead of returning to the ballroom, you are back in a hallway, just like the one that you had been in before. You are back in a hallway, and we're going to cut away from you and back over to the other, the other two, uh, Dahlia and Veronica. And so you are seeing these photographs where the where the people in the photographs are staring right back at the camera, faces blank, and there are names written seem to be written in a steady hand underneath each one. But Dahlia, when you get to the last photograph on the wall, it's not a person. It's a single dark bottle, like dark colored bottle, sitting on the floor, and there's a name written down at the bottom, and it is D. Ivanova. No, I knew that was going to happen. 
And that is where we're going to end our story for now. Ooh. Oh, come on. And it sounds like, drink me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> what have we done? What have we done? We've, we've messed this up. This podcast was published by arrangement with the Delta Green Partnership. The intellectual property known as Delta Green is a trademark and copyright owned by the Delta Green Partnership who has licensed its use here. The Impossible Landscapes campaign is copyright Dennis Detwiller, and the contents of this podcast are copyright Nature of My Game podcast, accepting those elements that are components of the Delta Green intellectual property. Our intro music was composed and produced by Jean-Luc Bouchard. You can find more information about the Nature of My Game podcast at NOMG Podcast on Twitter and Instagram or at nomgpodcast.com. To support us on Patreon, please visit patreon.com slash nomgpodcast.